the Action Network Podcast. I'm just about that action, boss. Ready? Ready. All right, here we go. From the 10, throwing end zone. Spectacular catch. They're saying it's a catch. Touchdown. You see, most gamblers, when they go to gamble, they go to win. Oh, my God. That's incredible. Big bank, small bank, I like to make money. All right. That is the ultimate kibosh. You want to bet? <laughs> and we are underway. What's up, everybody, and welcome to the Action Network podcast presented by FanDuel. I am your host, Chris Raybon. This is your NFC 2023 schedule release podcast, helping me break it down. As always, the Prime Minister of Degenerate Nation, Stucky. Stuck, how you feeling, brother? Good, man. It's nice to talk to you again. We talked Friday, now Monday. It's uh, that means you know, I think we're like 120 days away or something. Um, yeah, it's, I so think yeah. it's less than that. Yeah, we're less than that now, but yeah, it's coming. So, it's, uh, uh, but still, still time to enjoy the summers. And but uh, it's it's nice to have a little break, but it's always nice to talk NFL. And uh, before we know it, the grind will be here. So, it's good to just kind of connect on where we stand after the schedule. So if you haven't, I know I teased this last episode, but NFC episode's already out. After the AFC, schedule, AFC's out. out. Yeah, AFC, AFC's out. Sorry, we'll talk NFC today. And then if you missed before then, you know, if you're just out of your routine, Raybon and Freeman did a, a draft uh, recap, draft recap episodes, and then Raybon and I did um, pre-draft previews talking about some division long shots. We'll touch on some of that again today when we talk NFC, but uh, always nice to talk NFL. Yes, sir. And I, I think the NFC is pretty interesting because there's a couple of divisions. I think that that North and that uh, South and in, in the NFC that are pretty, pretty wide open. So curious to get your thoughts on that, but let's start with the NFC East, which uh, could, could be real good again this year. Um, you know, I'm curious as to what you think about Philadelphia. I thought they had a pretty good draft. Uh, I think the schedule starts relative easy at the Patriots, which is the Matt Patricia Bowl. Uh, then the Vikings at home at Tampa Bay, Washington at home and at the Rams. So they have five winnable games uh, that they'll be fa- should be favoring right out of the gate. Uh, but what do you think of Philly uh, heading into uh, 2023? Yeah, I thought that they were going to be overvalued before any numbers can, came out. But it turns out, I mean, I project you know, their win total is like 11 mm-hmm. or 10 and a half juice today over or 11 under. Around, around 10.7. Uh, excuse me. Let me see. What do, I, what do I have it at? Uh, let me look at my updated numbers. Their, their win total is sitting right around, yeah, 11. And I project them like 10.75. So I'm a little under, but not enough to play it. And my biggest, you know, my worry with Philly is, and they have one of the most complete rosters, not only in the NFC, but in the entire NFL, there's a lot of, you know, one, you see these teams that lose the Super Bowl, they have a little bit of a hangover for whatever reason. I, I don't necessarily buy it because I can't, why, why would the team that loses the Super Bowl? I think it's more coincidence anyway. But they have new, two new coordinators. There's a lot more tape on what they want to do with Hurts that these teams can look at in the offseason. So that there's, but there's, there's a lot of change. They're going to be younger on defense. So can they just avoid a slow start? Because if they do, they should get off to a really good start and then get rolling uh, as the year progresses. But if they get off to a slow start, it could open up that division because then that means they, they're dropping a you know a couple winnable games um, early on. And I actually have them with the easiest schedule in the division. Now, they're the best team in the division, but you know they finished in first. And hey, rel- relatively speaking, for a team that went to the Super Bowl, they have a pretty 
manageable schedule. Um, they get a bye before the Chiefs game. The Chiefs also have a bye for what it's worth. And then they do have a short week before the Bills. And then, then you have the Niners and you're at the Cowboys, at the Seahawks. So the schedule gets tougher, you know, after those first five or six weeks. So can they avoid, you know, kind of a letdown or just, you know, some continuity issues with new coordinators and figuring some stuff out? We'll see. I, I project them right on the more I think the other teams are more interesting. I, you know, the Giants are a team I wanted to fade after what they did last year. It was all over on the over. They, you know, they overperformed. They got pretty fortunate, I think, in general. But we talked about this before. It's kind of like there's a Vrabel. I think there's going to be a Vrabel effect mm-hmm. uh, with Dable. And I think that he's just, as a general rule of thumb, say he's there 10 years. Like, I think he's going to go over his win total like eight seven or eight and he's just going to overperform because I think that he's a really good head coach and he did kind of have that, that, that intangible, those intangible factors are going to win more close games than they probably are. Should they're always going to like exceed their Pythagorean wins. Like I just think that's how it's going to play out. But besides that, their schedule is brutal because if you look at it, NFC teams only have eight home games. Talked about this when we mentioned the jets one of the Giants' home games is against the Jets, and the Jets are coming off of a bye, and it's the Jets. Like, you could argue that, what is that, a half of a home game now? The Jets are coming off of a bye? So now you're down to, like, seven home games. And then they play three straight road games in the middle of the season in the midst of when in the midst of a nine-week period where they play seven road games. Seven road games in nine weeks, all before a December bye. So, yeah, it's it's a really tough schedule for the Giants. I show some value on their under, and then there's a tough schedule, but I just don't want to fade Dable here. What do you think? Yeah, I'm kind of with you because I think both of these teams, the Eagles and the Giants, were kind of like, all right, you know, the Giants last year was the year to be on them, and Eagles too. Like, we were, we were both like, you know, this team has a lot higher upside, but the Eagles roster is just so – I think it's such a high floor roster. I mean, even if, you know, Hertz goes down for a couple games, like Mariota, they had a above average offense in Atlanta with him starting like 15 games last year. So I, I, I don't doubt Philly would even be okay in that scenario. Uh, and then, yeah, the Giants, I thought they did a decent job addressing their needs in the draft. So, and they're, they're also, you know, Dabo last year, you know, they come in him and Joe Shane and they're just kind of cleaning house and just cobbling together a roster. They're going to kind of have more of their guys and their system. So yeah, the Giants aren't the Giants are just gonna make things. I think it's just gonna kind of pull things together for make things like muck things up in this division because Dallas is also, I think, really good. Uh so it's a it's a division where overall, you know, I look at a team like Washington, and if Washington was in like the north or the or the south, you'd say, okay, Washington, maybe they have a shot if they get their quarterback thing together. They have a you know, how overperforms or Brissett has another Cleveland-like season, but like it just makes Washington. It just it's tough to see Washington do anything in this division. But overall, in terms of like the Eagles, still look pretty good. If you're looking for a team to win the Super Bowl or win the NFC, you know, like the Eagles still look great. Uh, I think the Giants, their ceiling. I, I don't. I don't think they could beat Philly. Although they do. Interesting with the Giants, they get this last. They get Philly twice in the last three weeks, and that the Giants benefited from that last year. I believe Philly was kind of resting guys. So maybe that's a that's a like one of the only positives for the Giants schedule. But overall, 
Yeah, I think the fact that the Giants could overperform things makes it tough because you already, I think Philly's really good and I think Dallas is really good. But, you know, if the Giants steal a couple games here and there or, you know, they're winning games, it's, I, I don't know who, I don't know if this, this division may have three uh, playoff teams again, if that's the case. Yeah, the I mean, it's not going to be as easy for the Eagles. Target on their back now and the schedule's just a lot harder. I mean, yep. if you look at their schedule last year, it was a joke who they played even into the playoffs. Um, you get to play like San Fran without a quarterback and the Giants to get to the Super Bowl. Uh, it's not going to be as easy this year from start to finish, but I still think that they are the class of the NFC. Um, the Dallas is an interesting case in that I don't know where they're headed from a – I don't like the what I'm hearing from an offensive coordinator perspective and what McCarthy wants to do. I don't know. I, I'm a little fearful there. They're – and if you look at their schedule for a team that didn't win the division, and it's like, all right – they have a bye week before the Rams at home. And like, that's probably the only gimme home win. Like, you know, I could, I need, I don't consider any division game a gimme. Um, other than that, it's like, look at the the schedule. Um, you know, they're at the Panthers. They're like, so some of their, you know, they're at the Cardinals. Now the good thing is they could get the Cardinals and the 49ers that within the first five weeks, we don't know the, when Purdy's going to be ready. I don't, I doubt Mary, Kyler Murray will be ready for week three. So that helps them that they'll go to Arizona with presumably a backup quarterback. Um, so, yeah, I mean, three of their first four opponents on the road are out West. So they do a lot of traveling early before their bye week. Um, it's not a really easy schedule. And then like you look later in the year, it's like Seattle, Philly at Buffalo at Miami home against Detroit at Washington. Like there's not a lot of breaks in this schedule. Um, it does help that you get our Arizona and San Fran early. I'm right on with my projections. And then with Washington, I'm also pretty spot on. The one thing worth noting with Washington is they're one of a handful of teams that does not play anybody coming off of a bye. So they don't, I think Chicago is another, another team uh, that fits that mold as well. But I'm right on, right on, my numbers are spot on with everyone in the NFC East as far as, far as win total projections, except for the Giants. I show value in their under and their schedule is brutal, but I don't really want to fade Dable. I'm not sure I want to, although look, I, I, I'm not sure I want to take a shot at anyone in the division. I'm curious if you do. I'll go back to my stat. No one has won the division in back-to-back years since 2004. So can the Eagles buck that trend? I think it's, I think they can, like, just, you know. Well, like, obviously they can, but yeah, are, are they? Or I, think they I, I, I do think they will only because, or like, I don't see as much value in anyone else because, you know, I think when you look at, when you look at the, like, okay, division futures, like I want a pretty clear, like two team race. And like you said, I think the Giants muck things up a little too much. Like, I, I still think the Eagles and Cowboys are better, but not so much better that the Giants couldn't factor in. Um, at least, you know, not at this point, you know, there could be injuries and things that happen with these depth charts and, you know, that could clarify some things. But as of now, this division is for me, I don't really see much value in it because yeah, like I'm pretty spot on with the numbers, you know, Washington's win total six and a half. So I don't, you know, that's pretty low. I don't necessarily see a ton of value in going under that. I think that's around where it should be, but, um, it, it just kind of mucks things up to where I don't see a ton of value, but I do see, I, I do see these teams being, competitive like I don't see the Giants going from like whatever they were last year to like a four or five wins again I you know even if they have that 
tough schedule. I still see them being in contention and and I see Cowboys doing what they do. I really like, I really like their defense. Um, and then the Eagles. Yeah. Like I said, even if they have a backup, I think it'll still be, I think they'll still be able to win games. So yeah, it's tough. It's tough in this division. I think it's, this is probably the most, I would say accurately projected division in the market, at, at least from my perspective. Yeah. Yeah. The Eagles, I wanted to fade them. Like I, I was like, all right, they're probably at the peak of their value. They got really fortunate with their schedule and injuries last year. And now you have new coordinators, target on their back, schedule gets harder, but it's just not there from a numbers perspective. One final note on the NFC East, it will be interesting to watch the offenses from a scheme perspective. We have new coordinators in Dallas, Philly, and Washington, new offensive coordinators. There's 16 new offensive coordinators across the league. Right? Half the teams have new offensive coordinators. And then from the Giants' perspective, the Giants are the only team in the division with no new, no changes on the staff. How does the league, and specifically the division, adjust to what Dable did with Jones? What do you, like From a very high-level, simplistic perspective, he simplified everything for Jones, right? Like just made his reads very easy, narrowed it down to one side of the field, and kind of, you know, put training wheels on him and then, you know, kind of accentuated his strengths. And I mean, it was brilliant what he did, but it's not, he wasn't using like the entire field. So you have a whole off season to look at what Dable was doing last year with Jones and that offense. So there's going to be some adjustments and we're going to see how, uh, Dave and company can make their counter adjustments. And then we'll see the effect of all these other new offensive coordinators throughout the divisions. That's something I'll be watching early on, but I agree. It's pretty, pretty fairly priced uh, divisional market. Yeah. I mean, it's, it, it would be nice if we knew wh- who, who would start at receiver for the giants, because that depth chart, like it's like, it could go any which way at this point. So yeah, yeah, that's tough. But uh, let's talk the NFC North, because I think this one's a really interesting one. I know you liked uh, green Bay. Um, and then I think Ch- I like Chicago, but I also like Detroit a lot. I think, I think the hype is warranted. You know, the more I look at this team and this roster, uh, I think they can be competitive. And I think they're they're one of the few teams that, you know, the NFC is kind of jumbled, as you know, people can probably tell. I, I think there's Philly and there's San Francisco and there's Dallas. You know, like in Dallas, probably not even on that elite tier yet. They could get there. But after those three, I think Detroit, like if there was a team to kind of jump up into that, you know, double digit win tier uh and, and be kind of legit from start to finish, I think Detroit could be it. So uh, curious as to what you think here, but Detroit, you know, they don't. I, one thing we talk about with the Lions is Goff, who under the radar, I think I even he was good last year, but like he was, I didn't realize just how well he was in a lot of these metrics. He was top five in, in QBR and, and all the yards per attempt metrics and things like that. So, um, you know, the biggest thing with him going on the road into cold weather. Well, four of their last six games are on the road, uh, are the Lions, but. At New Orleans, that's in, indoors. At Chicago, that's the that's outdoors. But Minnesota indoors, Dallas indoors. So you don't and their Green Bay games in Week Four. So I think the schedule makers did them some favors. I know they start with KC, which you know could be could be a loss. But um, overall, I think the schedule makers did the Lions some favors here. Uh, what do you think? Yeah, but I, I think that if you're gonna start at KC, do it in Week One mm-hmm. because number one, that's a road game ahead of everyone else. And then you get extended time before, you know, another NFC competitor in Seattle, you'll have extra, you'll have 10 days before that game. Um, and yeah, you mentioned it week nine by, which is, I like, you know, it's right in the middle of the schedule. And then after the week nine by one cold weather game, which is always important. If you look at the numbers historically with golf and that's it, it's at the bears. 
Um, that's very good for golf. They also get the Broncos on Denver's third straight road game. Mentioned the extended rest before Seattle in week two. They get the Bucks and the Bears after buys. That's not terrible. Um, so I think that the schedule, you know, is fairly favorable. But I think that whereas we'll get to the NFC West, a lot of the teams got shafted in the NFC West of the schedule. A lot of the teams in this division, I think, made out with their schedule. We'll talk about, I mean, I, I, I think the lions look, the hype is warranted. I do think they're a tad overvalued um, coming into the season. I project them at like nine ish wins, nine, nine, one. There's still some holes on this defense and it's not an easy schedule overall. So I show a little bit of value on the other, not a ton. Um, but I do think that, yeah, they could easily, by the end of the season, I could see them being the second rated from a power rating perspective, the second highest rated team in the NFC for sure. I still think that the bears will get to your boys. I have them as 7.7, 7, 7.8 accounting for juice. I haven't projected only around seven, one. So I show significant value or enough. I should say enough value to bet their win total under. However, this schedule, you want to talk about a schedule. I think that the bears won the schedule lottery out of any team in the NFC. And I'll explain why they have nearly, well, number one, they get, you know, they have two short weeks. They play two Thursday games, but both are at home. Um, or not, excuse me. One's yeah, against Washington, Washington. on the road. Yeah. And, and a repeat of against, that one it was like at the same time. The ugliest I, game ever. Yeah, ugliest yeah, ever. Yeah. And then yeah. one's against Carolina. There, but, you know, so you have a, a two Thursday games, but, and they play no teams off of buy, as I mentioned before. After those Thursday games, they play the Vikings, divisional game. So you get 10 days before then. Then they play the Lions on the road, divisional game, 10 days before that. Their bye week is also before their other matchup with the Lions, divisional game. So their their rest, extended rest, happens before three divisional games. Also, they have almost two weeks more rest than their opponents that is tied for the most since the 2002 division realignment the most was uh, the uh, they're tied with the bills last year and the 2011 lions who the 2011 lions went 10 and 6 and made, made the playoffs um so their schedule sets up really really favorable i think but it's not from an opponent if you look at their road schedule it's pretty tough i mean like Outside of the Bucks in week two, you know, you're at the Chiefs, you're at Washington on a short week, at the Chargers, at the Saints, and I'm talking non-divisional games, at the Browns. Um, so it's not very, an easy schedule, but from a rest perspective and when the rest happens, man, I think it I think it really, the, the schedule makers did the Bears a lot of favors that they can take advantage of here. I'll make the case for the Packers in the division next, but uh, we'll kind of transition into your your Bears love here. You like the Bears for the division. Yeah, I mean, I like them a lot less after after looking at the Lions more. Like, I still think that the Bears like and Packers uh, have a have a shot. Really, the team I'm out on is Minnesota, and I think that's what it is more than anything. Now, it's like I still like the Lions. I think the Lions, you know have the most upside in this division by far. I think they could be an elite team um, as soon as this year. Um, you know, they were already a top five offense last year, and I think their defense is going to be a lot better. But um, the Bears, I mean, we've talked about this. The schedule is 
not daunting at all. I, I think they're going to take a big step forward on offense. You know, you get Justin Fields, a guy like DJ Moore. I mean, we've seen, you know, Josh Allen gets uh, Stephon Diggs. Jalen Hurts gets AJ Brown. Like guys usually take a jump when they get these kind of guys, even though a lot of people will look at them and say, oh, you know, it's probably just going to be a downgrade for the receiver. But I think their offense will be a lot better. Uh, I think their uh, offensive line will be good, I think, or a lot better. I think their defense will be a lot better than last year. I know you still have some questions about the line, but I mean, this was like a league worst defense last year. I think it'll be a, a lot closer to average, just depending on, you know, how, how much of a, uh, a step, if any, their, you know, some of those young guys in the secondary take. But um, no, I agree with the Packers too. I think the Packers, you know, they, it wasn't like Aaron Rodgers was great last year. You know, it was, it, it was, he was, he had one of his worst seasons. He was bad on an injury. They were a very average team. So the issue now though, is just, you know, with these division odds, you know, the more I look at it, you know, Detroit is, I know Detroit's not like an overwhelming favorite, but the more I look at it, I, I just see the same amount of upside, you know, in Detroit as I do in taking one of these teams like Green Bay or Chicago. Uh, and it's Minnesota that I really want to fade, you know, in one way or another. Cause I mean, this team, you talk, I mean, they went 13 and four, you know, their, their Pythagorean wins was eight, 8.4 because they had a negative point differential. Their DVOA estimated wins was 6.3. They were 26 overall below average, everything offense, defense, special teams. Uh, if you adjust, they have their luckiest team in the history of the NFL. Uh, they had 11, one score wins, literally an NFL record, 11 and one in one score games. You adjust that to six and six, which is always what you expect in one score games. And they're eight and nine teams. So every metric that wasn't their win, actual win loss record, like every pre pre predictive underlying metric says this team was below average. I don't think they got better. Uh, you know, I know they signed Davenport, but they lose Tomlinson and, they, and then they, they traded Smith. Uh, the, the offense has kind of been, it didn't, you know, even though O'Connell's an offensive guy, didn't really, it wasn't more efficient last year. It was just, you know, Jefferson doing Jefferson things, but Cousins kind of regressed in terms of his efficiency. So I it, like I'm at the point now where it's more about just I'm trying to find ways to fade Minnesota early in the year. I still think they're a little bit overvalued. Um, and I, I like all these other teams to kind of exceed expectations, but it, there's not as much value in the division because I, I think Detroit is actually uh, a pretty viable favorite. Yeah, I, I still like the Packers. I mean, I'm lower. On, I'm, I agree on the Vikings. So I'm lower than the market on the Vikings. Not as much as like I would, we would have been like 10 years ago because everyone knew it was kind yeah, of fraudulent, but their win total with accounting for juices, like eight, six, I project them at eight wins uh, on the dot. They have a middle of the pack schedule. Like I think I have them at the 17th part of schedule, whereas I have the Packers with the third easiest, the Bears with the fifth easiest, Lions 10th easiest. Um, the thing I... You know, with the with the Bears, I still think the Bears are one season away. I like some of the moves they're doing. I still have questions about the offensive line. I still have questions about the secondary, the defensive line. People are making too much about like linebackers. Like linebackers are not that important. <laughs> like that was like that was their big their biggest moves. And it's like uh let polls cook. It's like, all right, he, he got rid of one linebacker and he brought in two more for the same price. Uh but they're not going to make that much of an impact. I still have questions about the corner cornerback position. And I don't know if fields can, they are so reliant on fields legs and their defense is bad. And we saw this last year, like, can he stay healthy across a whole, a, a whole schedule? And cause if not, they, they don't, who's their backup PJ Walker. Like it's, it gets bad quick. 
Uh, Peterman is Peterman still there? We're we gonna just get like you uh, don't know, know who's starting. I think both of them are there. The game again. Yeah, uh, yeah, uh, yeah. <laughs> and so I actually I do show a little bit of value in the Bears. Their schedule is really favorable. Um, but because I'm lower on the Vikings, I'm a little low on the Lions, and I'm a little low on the Bears. I by default I'm also higher than the market on Green Bay and. When I look at their schedule, it's going to come down to Jordan Love, right? And like that's it's a quarterback league. We don't there, there's a lot of uncertainty there, which is why I'd like instead of going like the win total over, they're they have the lowest the the best odds and the highest odds to win the division. Yeah, the longest. So yeah. I yeah, the longest odds. I like that's why I like the upside there because of the uncertainty with with Love, right? And I, I want I would rather the distribution of results I think are wider for the Packers compared to um, the Bears if you remove injury risk. We kind of know what. We saw Fields flashes potential. We know who Cousins is, and we know who Goff is. Quarterback league, we don't really know who Love is. I think that you know he was learning under Rodgers. The, the the small snippets that we saw, I kind of liked some of the things that I saw, but we're still guessing, right? It's yep. we have we have a very tiny sample size. But when I look at the schedule, you have an inexperienced quarterback, and weeks one through nine for the Packers, that's the easiest stretch before you know you're. That case, you're, you're home against case. You had the Lions on the road, but let me take that back. Weeks one through nine are their easiest stretch by far, which is what you want with an inexperienced quarterback. Maybe build some confidence, win some winnable games, because then, you know, you're starting week 10. You're at the Steelers, home against the Chargers, at the Lions, at home against the Chiefs, at the Giants on a short week, you know, or they're coming off extended rest. Like, so that's a tough, tough stretch. So if it goes south early, then it's going to get really ugly for the Packers. But with an inexperienced quarterback, I like how the schedule sets up with a lot of their winnable games early on, have an early buy to kind of reset, look at some things before the schedule gets tougher. Um, so, yeah, it's, it's also a manageable road schedule. Like, you look at – who here's their road schedule outside of the division, you know, at Atlanta, um, at the Raiders, at Denver, after a buy – uh, at Pittsburgh, at the Giants, at the Panthers, you know, like all those games, if, if love is okay, are winnable. Um, I think I still like the offensive line. I like the potential wide receiver. The defense still has a lot of potential. I do wish they kind of shook it up from a coordinator perspective, but yeah, I think that there's, there's value in the Packers to win the division due to the, and I'd rather go there than even though I show value in the win total, because of the uncertainty with love, I like how the schedule sets up. Even that Chiefs game, like if love is okay, like you want to talk about a, a brutal spot in the Chiefs schedule. After here's the Chiefs, they 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 go to London and well, they go to Denver in altitude. After the Chargers game, then they go to London play Miami. They get their bye, and then it's Super Bowl rematch against the Eagles on the road for the Raiders in Vegas, and then before a home game against the bills they're going up to lambeau and the packers have i believe 10 days before that game they play on a thursday week before that's a tough spot like just situationally if love's okay could be a game where the chiefs slip up on the road so i don't mind the schedule i'm gonna take a shot on the packers to win the division over yeah, I uh the window. i don't mind it i don't mind it because i think i think what will happen is 
I think as the season draws near, I think all those the, the teams behind the Lions, I think their odds will even out a little bit in terms of the division. So I think their odds are only the Packers odds are only going to get shorter because I do think that it's, it's kind of jumbled up in there. Um, and yeah, I mean, they, you know, I don't like Barry either. And they did finish ninth in pass defense DVOA. So, I mean, their run defense was, was just horrible. Uh, 31st. I feel like that's been a, an issue at times for them. But, you know, if you can stop the pass, that's still that's still what you need to do. I thought the one thing about the Vikings that, you know, the one thing I think I do like about the Vikings is they, they got rid of uh Donatello, a defensive coordinator and they got Brian Flores. Yep, now yep. I, I don't, you know, there's deeper issues on the Vikings than just the needing to change the defensive coordinator. But I mean, it's, it, it's, it's, anything's gotta be better than Donatello. Cause those schemes are just so like yep. you just, it's, you just knew teams are going to go off on them when, when they yep. played them. It was, it wasn't even close. So I think yeah, that the, the, the defense still has, holes for mm-hmm. sure major holes but from a just from a coordinator perspective i'll give them a little bump just for the yeah. schematic uh upgrade that i'm anticipating and we'll see if flores can work some magic because that will certainly do wonders for minnesota if they could uh you know just uh, kind of patch up and hide some of the roster deficiencies with some uh, a schematic bump with bringing in floors. I did. Li- I did like that move a lot. Yeah, but overall, I mean, I'm still down on Minnesota because again, they were pretty much a slightly below average team last year. They got super lucky. Uh, they didn't really get better or change like get better on the roster because they're kind of cap strapped, which is one of the reasons they traded Smith. And so you're really relying on you know some guys like uh, Evans and Boo, some of those corners to take a step forward. Um, you know, you still got you got holes at pretty much ev- almost every level. Uh, except you know maybe linebacker's not an issue, but yeah, it could that defense if if, if Flores doesn't have talent, I mean it's still gonna it's it could still be a problem. So still down in Minnesota. Hey, this is Action Network audio director Matt Mitchell inviting you to head into the sports betting summer with new gear that's built to last. And our folks at Shady Rays, friends of the podcast, they have you covered from the sun to the slopes to out at sea with their premium polarized shades. Shady Rays is an independent sunglasses company offering world-class products just as good as any expensive pair you've ever worn. And like our betting podcasts, their sunglasses offer the clearest possible optics. Shady Rays also offers the most bananas protection in all of eyewear. Every pair of their sunglasses is backed by lost and broken replacements. So what does that mean? Here's what they told me. It means if you lose or break your pair, Even a minute after they arrive, Shady Rays will send you a brand new pair, no questions asked. Plus, if you don't love them, just exchange them for a new pair or even return them for free within 30 days. There's no risk when you shop with Shady Rays. Their team always has your back. Basically the opposite of betting on the Oakland A's. So exclusively for our podcast listeners, Shady Rays is giving out their best deal. Go to ShadyRays.com and use code ACTION for 50% off two or more pairs of polarized sunglasses. Try for yourself the shades rated five stars by over 200,000 people. All right, let's go to the NFC South. Uh, and, you know, the Saints are the favorite. I don't think the Saints should be favored. I, I like taking a shot at somebody else in this division. I like the Falcons. Um, you know, I could see if you're super high on Bryce Young, maybe you like the Panthers, but. I just don't think the Saints team is going – it's kind of the default team just kind of locked in here. But I don't think – I think there's reasons to be concerned. Number one, 
you know, Derek Hart switching offenses, you know, everyone's kind of looking at him as, okay, well, now they now they got a quarterback. It's a weak division. Uh, there's a real decent chance. I don't think he's not an upgrade this year on Dalton. Cause if you look at Derek Carr, every time he's gone to a new offense, uh, it's been his four worst seasons in terms of almost every efficiency metric. Uh, he's never had a winning season in, in one of those seasons. And, you know, we saw this last year going to, a, a, a you know, just staying on the Raiders and going to a new uh, offense. It, it wasn't pretty. And that was with Devontae Adams, you know, throwing to him 160 times. So, you know, I don't know if that's a, a short thing, given how, you know, Dalton was pretty solid. Um, uh, you know, I think I think they lost some some guys on their defense. They lost they lost a, a defensive coach to the Falcons. Dennis Allen has a his winning percentage for his career is 28 percent, never exceeded his win total. Uh, so I, I just, I don't trust the saints team, uh, as a front runner. Uh, so kind of by default, I, I like the Falcons, but, uh, what do, what do you think of the saints? Yeah, not super high on the saints. I do have them projected as the favorite. I have them projected their win totals, like sitting at 9.3 counting for juice. I'm really close to 10 because their schedule is based on my numbers is the easiest projected strength of schedule I've, uh, ever had in my, numbers, <laughs> in my projections. But right behind there is the Falcons. And if you just go by pure uh, winning percentage from last year, opponent winning percentage, which is a Blood. very flawed way to do it, but it's been it's the easiest uh, strength of schedule since 2018. And the, the other thing I like about the, the Falcons is good bye week, yep. chance that all their games fall on Sundays. So you get like into a nice rhythm. Um, they don't have a buy after London, but that's one of their road games. So you get the Jags on a neutral instead of uh, on the road. Six of their first eight games are against inexperienced quarterbacks. Four of their first six are at home with one game at neutral. You you, pro- you could also see the Cardinals pre-Mary. It's week 10. That'll be iffy it's before the Cardinals buy. They face the Saints twice um, after their bye week which I think the, the Falcons have more potential to get better as the year goes on. So I actually yep. like that for their division. Last year, I projected them as dogs of more than a touchdown in nine games. This year, zero. Uh, have them favored in eight. Love them for the division. I still hate that they didn't – I wish they would have gotten, like, a major edge rusher. But the last two years, they've had 21 and 17 sacks. Like, embarrassing. And then – uh you know, 91, and last year, 105 pressures. But they went out, they got Calais Campbell, consistent, he's getting there old, he's getting older. You know, Animata, Goldman, they still have Grady Jarrett, Lorenzo Carter, like all these guys, Bud Dupree, you know. Like they have enough guys like to, to so, cobble yeah, so together take, a pass rush. Yeah, <laughs> so if you take all those guys together, they're new. So last year they had 21 sacks and 90 pressures. So you take everyone on the roster now and look at their numbers last year. They would have 38 sacks, which matches their total the last two years combined, and 166 pressures, almost doubles their amount of pressures that are on the roster. Now, it's flawed in some way just for playing time, but they have enough to – and I like their sec- the potential of their secondary. Um, I think they have enough there to find something. Because it doesn't really matter how good your secondary is in the NFL if you just have zero yeah. pass rush and, and let me And let me speak to that because this is an underrated reason why I like the Falcons. So – they go out and they get this guy, uh, defensive coordinator, Ryan Nielsen. Now, probably nobody's heard of him, first-time defensive coordinator. This is the guy who was coaching the Saints defensive line for, like, the like over the last half decade. And then he got promoted to, like, assistant head coach. I think one year he was, like, assistant D, 
see as well, but he's like widely respected for having, um, you know, the, the Saints, I think, have like the second most sacks over the last, whatever his tenure was. And like he's widely like renowned around the league for developing defensive lines. And yep. this is like, you know, we talk about this every year with the Falcons. It's like they, they put nobody around Jarrett. And like this is the first year where I'm just looking at the roster and the moves they made. And I can actually see uh, like a, a, a an emphasis on that. So like there, there's a chance that this, you know, it's not just the 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 talent they brought in, but the fact that it's just Dean Pease is gone. Remember, he was like a you know late seventies. You know, I think the game unfortunately kind of passed him by a little yeah, uh, yeah. these last two years. So this is a, this in a, in, a, in a winnable division like this where the Falcons already had the best offense last year. That was Mar- Mario to start fifteen games. Uh, Kyle Pitts missed the last six seven games of the year. They still had the best offense in the division. Tom Brady played every game. You know, I know teams had injuries, but like overcoming Marcus Mariota and missing your best uh, receiver for the most explosive receiver for the seven games. That's still pretty impressive. So like, I don't, I'm not worried about their offense. I think their offense gets even better with, with Robinson. Uh, the line is still good. I think they still have two eh, meh quarterbacks, but it's, you know, it's not, it's not going to be any worse than last year, I think. Um, so yeah, I, I really like the Falcons. I think, I think the saints are just a little bit, I think the saints are overrated. I think the saints, they're just kind of in this, Spot because yeah, like you said, their their schedule is going to be easy on paper. But like I said, Dan, Dennis Allen has always underperformed expectations in a variety of ways. Like he's bad as a favorite, he's bad as a dog, he's bad in the win total department. Um, you know, and this the Saints team. Besides that, like they just were, they're kind of middling. And Carr's always had problems in his first year of the new spot or with a new in a new offense. So I think I think one way or another, I I'd still want to fade the Saints. I know you got the win total ten, but I, I'm not I'm not a buyer in the Saints at all. Um, yeah, no, I, I'm with you on Falcons for the division. One of my favorite division bets. Um, that, like just on, yeah, it's all it is. It's numbers. Cause on paper. And if you look this half of the Saints schedule could be first time starters playing first time starters at quarterback. I mean, they're four, the four of their first six are on the road, but look at, look, look at the first six weeks home against Tennessee. Could they technically have Levis? Maybe. I don't know. They could have they could have a rookie quarterback starting his first game, which is always a disaster. At the Panthers is their next game. Rook could have a rookie quarterback. At the Packers could have a first-time starter. Home against the Bucks uh, could be a first-time starter. Could be Baker Mayfield. At the Patriots, you get Mac Jones. Who knows? Maybe it's not Mac Jones then. Oh, at the Texans, you get a rookie quarterback. Uh, and then you're at the Jags. And if you look at their, and then they're at the Colts could be a rookie quarterback. If you look at all their road games, like there is not a single, like, so from a numbers perspective, you can see how I have them close to 10. Like there's yeah. not a single, they're, like their road schedule on paper is a joke and they could face like nine, nine first time or rookie quarterbacks. But yeah, I'm not rushing to buy the saints. You know, I only have them favored by more than a touchdown, for example, in one game home against the Bucks. So it's not like they're like, you know, all these games where they're going to be 10, yeah. 11 point favorites. That's kind of my thing with New Orleans. It's like, it's like one of those deals where it's like their schedule looks good on paper now. It was like the Colts last but, year. But like they, they also, like a lot of the teams you mentioned, like for example, like to play devil's advocate, like we like Tennessee, you know, you like Green yeah. Bay a lot, you know, like uh, Tampa Bay. I mean, their roster outside of the court, man, if they get the quarterback figured out, it's, you know, it's, it's, it's like a lot of these teams, it's like, we could look at it and say the Saints have an easy schedule, but in reality, I'm like higher on a lot of the teams they play and lower on them. So I'm almost looking at it. Well, 
like a lot of these teams have like the Saints on their schedule is not a uh, an intimidating home game either. You know what I mean? And like, listen, man, like I I, I just the know, Colts I, last, I just know very better. similar to the Colts last yeah, year. I just Easy know division, better. New quarterback Matt Ryan, new veteran quarterback. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. The schedule comes in as like That's, the easiest. It's hard to do that in year one. Like it's hard to just have that guy come in and like this, the Rams did it, but not everybody can do that. Yeah, yeah. Um, Carolina was intriguing to me. I didn't yeah. love their off season. I think the I think the Falcons have just a little bit more potential, and and I believe you can get a little better price. Yep. Um, well, no, they're on, they're kind of they flip flopped that. Not even have they? Let's see. Fanduel has the Falcon. Now the Falcons are in second for the division at plus two sixty, and the Panthers are plus three fifty. Um, which I think is is fair. I think the Falcons should be. I mean, I I think the Falcons are right there with the Saints. Honestly, like I have them rated a lot more similarly. Uh, than most than probably the market does. So, but yeah, the Panthers are plus three fifty. Yeah, I I like that. The the Bucks, I'm not. I mean, it's Baker Mayfield. I'm not a believer, and it's an aging roster. I'm not. I'm not a believer in the Bucks. Yeah, I mean Carolina. I also don't love. I have it on paper again. They're in the NFC in this division. I have them with the third easiest schedule. The Falcons with the second. The Saints with the first. Bucks with like the sixth. I don't like how. And look, I'm a huge. I'm actually a Bryce Young believer. And buyer, although I, I, I'm also a believer that no one really knows our quarterbacks are going to pan out. Um, but so, but I, the rookie quarterbacks, they're hard to trust in their first year, uh, just as a blanket statement. Look at against the spread, win totals, regardless. And we don't even know if he's going to start right off the bat. I think he will, but yep. we'll see. Uh, sure. He's right in OTAs, he's not, not number two, but it's not a given. But it's hard to trust rookie quarterbacks right away. And I don't, I don't love how their schedule played out. Um, you got, Two short weeks. They're both before road games, you know, at Seattle and at Chicago um, on a Thursday and a Sunday. Their bye week is, you know, semi early and it's kind of wasted before a home game against the Texans. Three straight road games later in the season. Yeah. And by the way, that bye before the Texans, the Texans are off, also off of a bye. Didn't, don't really love the schedule. Can't really trust the rookie quarterback. I know Desmond Ritter didn't look good last year, but he's got a full season of reps and it's a really a like a rush-based offense. And it's it's hard. I, I'm not a Desmond Ritter guy, but they don't ask him to do a lot. And we see a lot of quarterbacks from year one to year two. That you can expect some improvement. He's got all offseason. So we'll see how he does. And there's, there's other options there if, if he just completely flops. But it's not like they're going to be asking him to do a ton. And uh, Tampa, I'm, I and I just can't trust their quarterback either. So, and they got a first-place schedule and lost Tom Brady. Uh, six of eight on the road at one point, culminating in a cold weather trip to Green Bay in December. Not an easy stretch for that team. So yeah, I think it's all about the Falcons. I agree with you. Falcons division for me. Yeah, like they're. I, I think they're. I think they're another team that like. It, I don't think it's. I think Detroit is ahead of them because I think Goff has already shown that he can with the right stuff pieces around him, you know, perform at you know at a very high level efficiency wise. He's even gotten to a Super Bowl, whereas. These guys, it's not gonna happen with um, Ritter or Heineke for that matter. But yeah, in this division, they could they could do it. Panthers would still be my second choice. You know, there's still some upside with Bryce Young. Yeah, uh, Evero yeah. should be a should be a good defensive coordinator, even though that defense you know could kind of go either way. Um, uh, you know, the talent is okay. Some guys had down years. We'll see. Um, the line should make a, there's a lot of things that could kind of go either way with the Panthers. Like, and I, the, yeah, like the thing about their off season was they made a lot of changes, but a lot of the changes, they didn't really get better. Like a lot of them were just lateral moves. 
and then and then you're just bringing in a whole new staff, and you know it it could take a while in Carolina. Uh, yeah, so. with a, with a, all those changes with a rookie quarterback, it's right, not right. an easy ask. I actually show value on the Bucks on the Tampa under, and I might I might end up playing it, but uh, we'll see. I'll do my win total piece later. In yeah, the season, it's, it's, it's a bit early for, for for win totals because they're just like normal bets, so it's yeah, it's no real point. money for that long, right? And, yeah. Right. Um, but yeah, I mean, I think the Bucks are kind of a wait and see for me because, like, the roster, you know, I mean, they obviously had terrible injury luck last year, um, which I and I, and I think you know that the the position they had injury luck at, you know, that the offensive line combined with Brady's age, I mean, that that offense was just it was just bad um, at times and. You know, on defense, they had injuries. I, I think, like, there is there is some upside here, they, but it's like, what are they going to do at quarterback? Like, is there some type of, some some type of, you know, is, is anything going to emerge? Is it just going to be Baker? They also got the guy who, uh, one of the coaches who was credited with turning Geno around. So there's always a chance Baker is, like, back to serviceable Baker, maybe. I don't, I don't have high hopes, but, I mean, it's always possible. He did have some okay years um, when he wasn't just flat-out terrible uh, like he was last year. Um, so I think Tampa's still a wait and see for me. Like they have enough talent around them in this division to where, you know, if they were still in last, you know, with the longest odds and, you know, we're hearing better things about Mayfield or the offense, you know, I'm, I might be interested in, in, in sniffing around there just because I, I think, you know, they're going to kind of be slept on, you know, no one's really giving them any, any love, but this is a very winnable division. I, I think. NFC was left NFC West. West. So we got the Niners. Which, yeah. What so what what would you anticipate? So like the question, one of the major questions is with the and by the way, I mentioned some of the teams that I think I think the Bears had a really good schedule. They don't play anyone off of a bye. Two teams, Washington also does. And by the way, Washington also has about close to two weeks. They're they have the fifth most rest advantage over the past 21 years for the commanders, if you're looking for a reason to like them. They, they, I think the schedule makers, I think, did them a ton of favors as well from a pure rest perspective. Not the case of the NFC West. The Rams and the 49ers play four teams off of a bye. Now, from a numbers perspective, if you if you just run it out, it's like worth, you know, half buys worth like a half a point. So it's worth like 0.15 wins over the course of the year if you play four teams uh coming off of a bye compared to a team that played zero which is Arizona. Arizona doesn't play. That's the only good thing I could say about Arizona. We don't know when Murray's going to come back, which is a huge thing. Like I, I would think, I, for first of all, we'll start with Arizona. I think that this is a lost year for them. Their defense could be historically bad. I wouldn't be surprised if they trade some of their pieces. This is a full tank mode. Gannon, long-term rebuild. They could have the first two picks in the draft next year. Um, I don't have them favored in any games. The roster's bad. I think it's just a throwaway year, which means like I don't think that they're going to rush Mary back, whether Mary's their franchise quarterback or they trade him. Like, I think that he comes back maybe week 15 after the bye for the last four weeks. You know, maybe if they're in it, like if there's five and one or something, he would come back earlier, but I don't think there's any reason to rush him back. I think that they're like not, you know, indirect tank mode. Um, I think they're the worst team in the NFL, but they they have the best schedule just from a, you know, how everything broke. We'll start with San Francisco. They have another quarterback. That's why this division's tough. When's Mary coming back? And then when is Purdy coming back? If it's not him, Lance, and what do we think of Lance? So there's quarterback uncertainty there. Could be Darnold, I mean, from what I'm hearing. Yeah, could be Darnold, too. So there's a lot of quarterback uncertainty throughout um, 
this division, new coordinators, new coaches, everywhere kind of except Seattle. But San Fran has four can play four teams coming off a bye: Cleveland, Cincy, Jacksonville, and then Arizona late, who could have Murray back for week 15. Like you don't get a break there. They also play Seattle at home in week 14 when Seattle's off a Thursday night game with 10 days before. So, like from a rest perspective, San Fran got shafted. They also have two straight games on the road to start the year when they do have those quarterback questions. Um it's it's tough. They also they've had bad injury luck, but that's been a theme for ten years. Yeah, like average the, ten years. This is like something you could just kind of anticipate with San Francisco. I don't know what the hell is going on there, but yeah, I think the quarterback uncertainty with San Francisco schedule is brutal. Rams also just a terrible roster overall. They sh- defense like oh like they oh, they lost like is. their entire defense except Aaron Donald. It's wild. Horrendous. The, the Arizona and and the Rams. Uh, these are so bad. Like Arizona's defense is like Aaron Donald included Arizona's defense right now is probably better than the Rams. Like that's how that's how like they literally did nothing in free agency lost. I think like over half their starters, pretty much all of their starters except Donald and replaced them with like day three picks and undrafted free agents. Like their, their defense could legit be bad. This year. Yeah. And, and Rams like brutal start to the season. They, and they, they're, like I said, they're one of two teams to get four teams off the of bye. Steelers, Cowboys, Ravens, and Washington off of a bye. They start at Seattle, home against San Fran. Now, maybe you get there's quarterback questions there. Then you're at Cincy, at Indy on a short week, home against Philly. Like those first five weeks, your hardest game, I mean, your easiest game is at Indy. And that's the second straight road game on a short week. You know, you finish third in your division and you get the Eagles, Bengals, Ravens, and Cowboys as part of your non-divisional slate. Four trips out east, although I assume they'll stay out east for Cincy, Indy, back-to-back. But it's a brutal early season schedule. And then you got these four teams coming off buys. I don't like where the Rams are headed. From a pure numbers perspective, this is just a really tough division for me to crack because of the quarterback uncertainty. I want to bet the Cardinals under. It's super low, though. Uh, and we don't know when Murray's coming back. I just think that they're in full tank, man. I wouldn't be surprised if they trade guys like Hopkins and Baker and anyone that's, like, worth a shit. And I think they're just fully rebuilding. Gannon wants to just redo the culture. The It's just all fixing everything that Kingsbury was. The facilities, the culture, the schemes, everything. And then the draft picks, compiled draft picks for next year. I show a little bit of value in the, uh, under in the Rams. Um, but, you know, with the uncertainty when Mary's coming back with the 49ers doing a quarterback from a, just a pure, like, I know what I'm going to get. It's like Seattle jumps out. They're one of like, I think four or five teams. that doesn't have a new coach coordinator or quarterback. Love what they did in the draft. I think yep. they addressed some of their needs last year. They got super, they were the team that faced the most, they got the, the most quarter. The, if you look from a, EPA perspective, they faced the toughest schedule of opposing quarterbacks and their secondary performed really well with some of the youth there. I love what they did in the draft. So is this Seattle? Is this from a, just with all the uncertainty, it's tough, but is this a, a play on Seattle for the division? Yeah, I played them already. Uh, that, I like Seattle because I think they stand out, you know, if San Francisco falters and San Francisco's actually never won the division back-to-back years uh, in the Shanahan era. So, I mean, it's like you said, it's these injuries for San Francisco that tend to come in waves and 
I already see San Francisco is a little vulnerable at spots. Like I know they, you know, the skill positions are great, but I do have some questions about, you know, can their line up? Yeah. Like interior wise, they, you know, those banks and and Burford and uh, you know, Feliciano, that's kind of questionable. Williams is a year old. He, he never plays a full season and you know, you never know when, you know, you know, that, that could start coming to end. Cause he's like been their anchor. He's been like one of the best linemen in the NFL. So, you know, if he misses any significant time, I don't know if they're built to kind of overtake it. I didn't like what they did in the draft. They went with like, where do they go? Like backup tight end. They had a kicker early. They, they didn't even pick yeah. till round three. Um, and drafted a kicker. Yeah. So like they got a lot of, you know, like this team is, they have more downside than upside. I think, especially when you start, you know, when you start going from, okay, where they were last year. And then you say, well, okay. The guy, you know, Purdy's like the guy who, you know, he was able to hold it down, you know, can will you get that out of Lance or Darnold if Purdy has to miss time? Like you're just you, like at some point, it, this you know all this stuff is going to catch up to them, and I don't like I just don't like how it started. Now, like again, the skill positions are going to be really good, so you know this might be a team just to fade you know against the spread or, or something like that because I think they'll still be a little overvalued there. But yeah, I, I think Seattle is definitely the way to go. Seattle has a lot of uh, ways that I think they can improve from last year. I mean, they got Bobby Wagner. He's, you know, he's been really good. That that should help their run D, uh, the secondary, you know, they got Witherspoon uh, at corner. So they could have a really strong secondary pairing with Woolen. Uh, you got, you got Adams coming back. He still got digs. Like, I think the defense got better. I think, I think the line should take a step forward. Um, you know, they got those young tackles going into year two, usually see improvement from them. It's like, yeah, it's, it's just a really solid all around team. You know, it, you know, obviously if Gino were to go down, not ideal. You got Locke. I mean, he started NFL games. Maybe it's not the worst thing. It's, this team is not really built around the quarterback, but yeah, overall, I, I see a significant difference between the upside and the value on Seattle uh, in pretty much any market, like even the win total. I mean, I don't really like to bet win totals, sorry, but they're eight and a half. I, I have them over that. Uh, so yeah, I, I like Seattle. I just, I have a lot of respect for Sean McVay. It sounds like Stafford will be back and, you know, they'll have cut back and then they had a lot of injuries, but I, this defense for the Rams, like, I can't put my, I, like, I can't believe people aren't talking about this more. Like this Rams defense, I don't remember ever seeing a defense gutted like this in all my years watching the NFL, like to where you lose essentially your entire starting unit. And it's just all guys now that are like, you know, they were backups or they were day three picks or they're undrafted guys that you're essentially going to count on or like these special team types. Like it it could be really bad. Yeah. We we also don't like it's uh, how much confidence do we still have in in Stafford? Like eventually he's going to hit that like Matt Ryan wall is a lot of, a lot of miles on that arm and then a recent injury. So, I mean, if he takes, if he's just not the same, we saw it happen quickly with Matt, like a guy like Matt Ryan, there's still questions on that offensive line as well. Um, so who knows how quick you're down to Brett Rippon or Stetson Bennett. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, the oh, Carson is, Wentz. <laughs> yeah, they're, Carson they're, Wentz. They're working him. Um, so yeah, a lot of questions with um the rams I, I i agree i think it's it's all about uh seattle yeah arizona like i gotta see i gotta let it go a little deeper because like i you know they're at four and a half wins on the total and I, I yeah they're gonna be bad but like some of the like for example like their defense to me looks better than the rams is you know on offense if you know who's gonna start for murray because like if you don't trade hopkins you still got you know hopkins brown Moore, Ertz, connor like a, a, a pretty decent tackles like 
you know, we've seen Colt McCoy win games for them in the past. So, and they'll have a better coach than Cliff. So like, I'm not ready to just go all in on, on fading Arizona because like, they, I actually think they might end up showing value on over if it's four and a half. Um, just because, My fear like, is though that they're, they're going to tank it like indirectly in that, like these pieces, like a guy like Ertz and Baker, like they're going to be moved at some point. And like, that's one of the reasons what they mm-hmm. did in the draft this year. And they just want to compile picks. They know this is a throwaway year. So I would be fearful of like, okay, what does that mean for when Mary comes back? And then what does this mean for guys like Hopkins? And ba- do, do they even make it for the whole season? Cause I would agree with you just on the surface, then it seems too low, but this is a team that might just be completely okay. From everything I heard, it's like Gannon and the organization knows this year means nothing. And it's all about the draft next year. And then, especially when you have that Mary injury, where he's not going to be ready for maybe half the year already. Um, so that, that would be my fear with Arizona going over because they might just end up all those key pieces. They might, their defense might end up looking like the Rams yeah. um, at one point. And then that. they might just hold Mary out until after the buy and he's just playing the last four weeks. So that would be my fear there. But yeah, I, I think as of right now, the most reliable team in the division is, is Seattle. Yeah. And you know, if the more Arizona tanks, it just makes th- those two games easier for Seattle, but yeah, like right yeah. now I got the Seattle division over. Um, I have them projected over their win total. If you know, I just not really in any urge don't have really much urgency to bet win totals at this point uh of the year. Um, but yeah, I think the Ram, the the Cardinals, I'm kind of in wait and see mode because I just don't I don't want to jump the gun, you know, if I do end up fading them, because right now I actually would show value over for them. Uh and then the Rams is the team I kind of want. I'm probably going to end up fading, uh, but you know, all, want, like you said, want to see what's going to happen with the Cardinals, what's going to what's going to happen with the Niners a little bit because um, that that could factor in as well because you know if they get a couple of division wins, that kind of changes things. Uh, yeah. But yeah, Seattle, Seattle or nothing. All right, that is going to do it for our NFC 2023 schedule release podcast. Be sure to check out our AFC episode which is out right now. We'll also have uh, some Preakness stakes betting previews uh, later this week. Also, uh, we'll have wind total. We mentioned wind totals and finalizing them. We'll have wind total episodes later in the summer. Maybe bring on uh, our colleague and friend, Sean Kerner, as well. Uh, so I know we're, we're kind of hinting at some wind totals, but we'll definitely have some episodes covering all the divisions and wind totals as we get closer to the season. And uh, you can find Stuck on Twitter at Stucky2. You can find me at Chris Raybon. And you can find us at those same handles on the free award-winning Action Network app. Until next time, let's get this money. Action Network reminds you. Please gamble responsibly. If you or someone you care about has a gambling problem, help is available 24-7 at 1-800-GAMBLER.